like, wow, that's news to me, you know? Oh, that's great. Well, God is awesome. Amen, church? He is good. And if you had time, David, thank you for a presentation there of the budget for 2022. Uh, it tells a story. And it tells a story not of, not of us. It tells a story of, of the Lord. And there's times in our life that, that you just have to go, that's the Lord. And when you look at the generosity of this church, the love of this church, the way that the Lord empowers us to serve and to give, it's the Lord, not us. And we're thankful for that. I'm very thankful for that. We're glad you're here this morning. Grab your bulletin if you want to take notes this morning or follow along on the app. We've got our notes on there. You can go under Sunday and go to the, the weekly notes there and check that out. But we're so glad that you're here today. So I don't know if anybody knows who this person is. I'll be surprised if you know who this regal man here in an old picture taken in the 1950s is. Probably nobody in here. If you do, raise your hand if you know who this is. I wouldn't have known. But this gentleman's name is Harry Winston. Oh, of course, right? In the 40s and 50s, Harry Winston was the world's, not just the United States, but the world's foremost expert and acquiring person of diamonds and gemstones. In fact, what he was most famous for was being able to trade and get the best of the best, the perfect gemstones. And most famously, out of all his fame, he was able to be the last private-owned person to own the Hope Diamond, the cursed Hope Diamond. This gigantic, world's largest sapphire. It is 45 and a half carats of perfect gemstone, which is only slightly larger than the engagement ring Mario gave to Abby last weekend. Right? Right, Mario? She's like walking around like this, you know? Can't keep her arm up. No, this thing is spectacular. It's impressive. It's huge. 45 and a half carrots and it sits now in the Smithsonian in Washington DC. I've seen it. Saw it as a sophomore between my freshman and sophomore uh year in high school and that's one of the only things I remember cuz it is an impressive thing to look at. But how it got there is even more impressive. Harry Winston simply donated it. It was a gem worth in his day, $150 million, but today worth $300 million. And in 1958, he decided, I own this thing. It's worth over half of my entire estate, and I'm just going to give it away. It ought to belong to the people, he said. But what's even crazier than that, than him donating it, was the means in which he went about donating this gym. Because what he did is instead of traveling maybe under lock and key in an armored vehicle and going from his home in New York City to the Smithsonian in Washington, D.C., what Harry Winston did is he took the Hope Diamond down to his local post office in New York City and he spent $2.44 in postage and mailed that baby to New York or to Washington DC. Now that blows my mind because if you're like me, I don't trust the USPS that much. Right? 
I won't send a gift card, an, an Applebee's gift card in the mail to somebody as a gift. An Applebee's is trash, right? Right? Ooh, right? But he spent $2.44 and sent it in the mail. And here's what he said. This is a quote. This course caught the media's attention and he was asked about it. And he said, at the time, it was the safest way in the world to deliver the Hope Diamond. And I completely trusted my plan to work. And it did. I read an interview with, uh, that comes from 1958 from the, from the actual male man that had to take that thing from his truck just that day and to the Smithsonian. And he was more nervous than Harry Winston. But there's a parallel story in Scripture to this. To God putting something in what we consider a cheap envelope and sending it out on a mission full of greater value than we could ever imagine. And that is the mission that God has put in each of us in crummy envelopes. And he's given us his Holy Spirit, something of far greater value, something that the kingdom of God is described as in Matthew 13 to be something of such great value that you would If you were to find the treasure of it, you would sell everything in order to acquire it. Paul talks about this type of treasure in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 5 through 7. He says this. He says, For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness... And listen to this, made his light shine in our hearts. We're that envelope. And he's given us a light to shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. And then he says this, but we are carrying around a treasure. We have this treasure in jars of clay, human bodies, flesh, that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Today we're going to talk about having an awakening. Last week we talked about awakening ourselves to the reality of what Jesus wants to do in us. And from this passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, may we come alive to the fact that Jesus has entrusted you to carry his light. But not just for yourself. The awakening we have when we come to know Jesus isn't just for Jake or for Barry or for Mario or for Brad. It is for all. It's for us to shine a light. And so today we're going to talk about awakening others. And specifically, we're going to work on, let's be a people who awaken our communities. Canadian, Wheeler, Perryton, Mobiti, wherever we are. May we be those people. Let's pray together. Grab a hand if you will. I want to ask God's blessing over this message that's going to be short and sweet as we walk into Scripture today. Father, awaken us. And God, I plead with you to awaken this area. Peel back the callous nature of our heart. Peel back and soften the hardness of our souls. 
Let us once again be ready to receive you, to be transformed by you. And God, may this church family be on fire and just inflamed with the mission that you've given us to carry in these lives of ours that we often feel are worthless, but to carry this mission, God, something of incredible and incalculable value out into the world. God, I pray that will happen everywhere. Wherever your name is preached today, may you be glorified. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So if you have your Bible, let's turn our attention to the last chapter of the book of Acts. Just as a reminder real quick, maybe you need a little reminder on Acts. Acts is the story of what happens after Jesus gives a great commission. It's the story of what happens to the early followers of Jesus when Jesus says, go and keep this mission going, spread it far and and wide. And if you read Acts, what you hear is a story of a church who turns the world upside down. It's a story of a few people who become many people who set the world on fire with the message that there is a king and his name is Jesus and we belong to his kingdom. They did so well with that message and proclaimed the power of the gospel with such force and intensity and good news that we're still talking about it here today. Because of what happens in the book of Acts, we are continuing the book of Acts here in January 9th, 2022, in a little town called Canadian, Texas. It's incredible to think about that, to think that we could trace our faith back to those first followers. It's incredible. Acts is this story of how a handful of believers awakened a world to a new reality living in and under the reign and rule of King Jesus. In the 28th chapter, the last chapter in the book, written by Luke, Luke and Acts are two works that work together. The last verse of this chapter, the last thing said by Luke, speaking of Paul, is this. It says, for two whole years, Paul stayed there. There is Rome, uh, in his own rented house, and welcomed all who came to see him. He's under house arrest. He's under lock and key. But listen to this last, ver- last line, last sentence. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Man, what a way to end a book. A book that really isn't supposed to have an ending because it carries on. The last message in Acts is Paul kept the fire going. Under house arrest, he had all boldness and he was completely unhindered in proclaiming the kingdom of God. Now that is so different, right? Anybody with me this morning? I would probably go, whoa, 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 hold up, Luke. The man is in a form of prison. He's confined. And from one perspective, he's not unhindered. He's fully hindered. He's trapped. He can't go and speak with people. He can't go out and to the Jewish synagogue and talk about Jesus where he's got a connection with his background with people as he did in most cities. He can't go and find other Christians in Rome that he knows and worship with them. He can't commune with them. He can't go in a public setting and say, let me tell you, like he did at the Areopagus, 
in, in Athens. Let me tell you about Jesus. Beget through the power of the Holy Spirit and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Acts ends with this amazing detail. Paul kept sharing the gift he had wrapped in an envelope, in jars of clay. So I don't know about you this morning, but for me, that is, gives me such hope because as we enter 2022, our second Sunday, I think a lot of us do feel hindered or we have felt hindered. Hindered may be all the changes in the world. You may be hindered this morning by bad habits you've created recently. You may be hindered because you're in a rut spiritually. You may feel hindered just because of the way that the world is going and the bad news that we keep receiving. You may be just hindered because you're just in a bad place. I don't know. I've been there this past 24 months. But as I read Acts 28.30, what I believe is this, is that God is wanting to do something in those of us who are wanting to look at Paul's actions here in Acts 28. And God's wanting to do something in those of us this morning who are saying, we're not hindered. Who those of us who are saying, this isn't just an example or something that we read about in an old book, but who can look at this passage and go, you know what? This can be a reality for us too, because no matter what we are experiencing, we can still proclaim Jesus with all boldness and without hindrance. This can be a part of the reality of this church community right here in 2022. You believe that? So this morning, if you believe that, I'm going to give you three things. And today, this morning, I am preaching specifically to Jake Perkins because he is an idiot. And he needs, he, needs, he needs this lesson, all right? And he is hard on himself. But if you get your toes stepped on, I am not aiming for yours. I'm aiming for mine today. I am convicted by what's in Acts 28. And Acts 28 is this passage and this message to, for us to awaken to the power of God so that we can be a church that is bold and unhindered and awake our community to the power of God. And first, though, if we're going to do that out of three things, the first thing is this. What Paul's going to show us here is an unhindered church that awakens a community to the reality of Jesus is we have to learn to trust the promises of God even when our circumstances are less than ideal, and that's putting it with tact. Less than perfect. Stinky circumstances. This morning, your life may feel pretty bleak. You may feel less than or worse off. You may have showed up this morning hanging by a thread, just going, well, I guess I'll go to church. Maybe there's something there. Maybe you didn't even think about that. But I want to show you a passage here in chapter 28, and it's verse 14, that gives me a lot of hope about trusting God's promises even when my circumstances are a mess. Look at this verse. You're going to go, what? Look at this, though. Acts 28:14. it says, There we, and we is Luke and Paul and the companions with them traveling as Paul's under house arrest. It says, There we found some brothers and sisters who invited us to spend a week with them, and so we came to Rome. What an inspiring verse. Write it on your 
mirror, right? Tattoo it on your arm in Greek, right? <laughs> right? It doesn't really have much of a ring to it. But you got to remember what's behind this verse. We came to Rome. You remember the Great Commission? There's a Great Commission in all four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all have their version of the Great Commission. But so does Acts. Acts 1.8 has a Great Commission. In the Great Commission in Acts, what Jesus tells the disciples is, You are going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, it's concentric circles, in Judea, in Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. In first century talk, ends of the earth is Rome. That's the furthest they could think about. Most of Jesus' disciples grew up probably never traveling more than 60 miles from their house. Furthest they had ever been. And then he gives us a commission and he goes, you're going to go to the ends of the earth, to Rome. And all through Acts, there's this, there's this move of the Holy Spirit to move the message to what was the center of the world at the time. The city of Rome. And now... In Acts 28, 14, Paul, after writing, sending people to Rome, but never having been there himself, ends up in Rome. And he is in a place where he has arrived at his goal. Not by his own effort. Not by his own mission, but by the mission of God. Paul is carried to Rome More than just by his own steps, he's carried there because he has anchored his life in the promises of Jesus. So since March 2020, we've been in this never-ending cycle of bad news, right? Well, we hosted the middle school uh, ministry New Year's Eve party, Allison and I did, uh, to ring in the new year on uh, last Friday, was that right? Or two Fridays ago, whatever, whenever it was. Uh, Alice and I have done this with middle schoolers in our youth group for the last, I think, three out of five years or something like that. That's because our, our goal to end the year, we want to ring in the new year with a ringing headache. So we invite middle schoolers over every year. It's, it's been awesome. Thank you, middle schoolers. Actually, it's Olivia's fault. She always brings those stupid little <laughs> noisemakers. And they're the worst. So if you want to see a video of that from a few years ago, it's awful. But anyway, throughout the night when we had the middle schoolers over, we, we would sit them down and ask them questions. We were playing some games with them. Some of the questions we'd ask were silly. Some of them were spiritual in nature. And one of the questions we asked was, where do you want to see God or what do you want to see God do in the new year? And I don't remember who said it. It could have been an adult, could have been a middle schooler. But somebody spoke up and said, you know what I'd love to see? It's just a string together a couple months without bad news. And man, you know what I said to that? Amen. Amen, church? That would be awesome. That would be wonderful. But as bad as we want our circumstances to change... And the circumstances of the world we live in, we need to know this. And it goes along with that. It goes along with what we just said, that we can trust the promises of God. The other thing we need to know with this is our shifting circumstances have not changed the sustaining power of God's promises. Amen? They haven't changed it. This is how Paul's able to live in a house 
under arrest with all boldness and without hindrance to share the message of Jesus because his shifting circumstances he knows has not changed God's sustaining promises. Nothing's changed. Now, from one perspective, a lot has changed in our world, and that's true. But from an eternal perspective of who God is, nothing's changed. God is still love. God is still good. And those of us who are in his salvation and have found his forgiveness through being baptized into him, what he has promised is sure to happen. Amen? We are promised, I believe, according to Scripture, two things. One is you will be loved. And the other is that the world will be awakened and know you're loved as his disciples by the love we share. John 13, 35. And so nothing has changed. Our ministry and our message is still the same. So my, may the promises of Jesus carry us forward. I believe you can bet your life on the promises of God. You can bet your life on it. This is why Paul at the end of Acts is able to say, or Luke is able to say about him, he still has boldness. He still shared the kingdom of God with anybody he could. And that's because his life was not based on shifting circumstances. His life was anchored in the promises of God. And I need that message, church family. Your life and my life, our life, is anchored in the promises of God. And that leads me to number two. There's another thing that comes out of Acts 28 that leads us to be unhindered. And this one's going to be tough to hear, but it's so true. And that is this and what we experience together as community and how we bring encouragement to each other. Church community community is an essential reality. It's not a supplement. Far too many of us believe that church and the community and the oneness that the body of Christ is to experience, experience is just a supplemental add-on to my life. It's my emergency when I'm feeling bad. I break open that packet of vitamin C and put it in a cup of water. We too often treat church that way. Like it's just something I need when I'm feeling down or having a hard time or have a prayer request. But I want you to see another verse. It's actually the next verse in Acts 28. It's verse 15. This is talking about the brothers and sisters, the Christians in Rome. It says the brothers and sisters there had heard that we were coming. Again, that's Paul and Luke and others. And they traveled as far as the Forum of Appius, don't know where that was, and the three taverns to meet us. At the sight of these people, Paul thanked God and was encouraged. So here's what happens in this passage is Paul shows up under house arrest, but he gets fuel by other Christians showing up, community, body of Christ, people showing up, and they give him encouragement. Now, there's a word that we have watered down, right? Among many others, we have watered down the word encourage. Encourage gets watered down to where it just means, yeah, somebody made me feel good for a little bit. But you know what the word actually means? The word actually means to take courage and put it in somebody else. <laughs> to imbue them 
fill them with courage so that they go out courageously doing something different. And that's what Paul experiences here. When those brothers and sisters shows up, maybe he was down. Maybe he's thinking, I don't know how this is going to work in Rome. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get the word out. And these brothers and sisters show up and they give him courage. Just a side note, guys, you've got to stop thinking about Paul as a super Christian. Paul was a man empowered by the Holy Spirit, just like you and me. Right? Did he make mistakes? Yes. Paul wasn't Jesus on a diet. He's just a man. But he was a man who decided he would give all for God. And God used him. Did he need encouragement? We often think Paul and those heroes of the faith don't need encouragement. Paul needed it. And so he's given encouragement. I don't think I've been more encouraged recently. Literally given courage than I was a month, five, six weeks ago. We talked about it in class this morning, Callie. You brought it up. It's so cool that you brought it up because I was like, that's it, my sermon this morning. I've never been more encouraged than five, six weeks ago than when Shane Sawyer got up here and shared his heart with this church family. He shared his struggles. He shared difficult nature of being a servant and a shepherd at this church. And I was encouraged by that. But I was also encouraged because I was reminded by our shepherds at this church that what they wanted for Shane in taking a sabbatical for a year was that he could be encouraged and he could get excited about God again and that he would be ready to serve in that capacity again. And I got to admit, church, it's some of the best shepherding I've ever seen. Maybe the best shepherding I've ever seen as a church. And the reason why is because it shows that the leadership in this church is more concerned with growth and character and the nature of Jesus being built up in somebody than they are in somebody just gutting it out. That's shepherding, guys. They wanted Shane to eat from good pastures. And that is encouraging. And I'll never forget it. It gave me courage, and I'll remember that day. And I bet you were, if you were here that day, I bet you were encouraged too. If you weren't here that day, we didn't film it, so you can't see it. <laughs> but that's what the church family is supposed to do. And I want to encourage you this morning. I want to give you courage this morning to know that what God has started in you, he's going to finish in you. And what he wants to do through you to help awaken other people to the reality of who he is, he's going to do it if you'll let him. But you got to remember this. You can't do it alone. Church community is essential to us following Jesus. It means we treat each other as if you need me and I need you. It means that on Sundays when I can't be here, I'm online and I'm encouraging people there. But when I can be here, even when I don't feel like being here, there's something that happens in maturity wise of a Christian when they decide I'm going to show up because maybe somebody needs me instead of thinking I'm not going to show up because I don't want to go. There's a big difference between the two. 
So I want to look at one more place, though, real quick, and then we'll wrap up. Let's keep going in the passage. Acts 28, 16. So here's what it says. When he got to Rome, Paul was allowed to live by himself with a soldier to guard him. So he gets there. He's under house arrest. If you notice the detail before, this kind of stinks for Paul. You've got to pay your own rent to be in prison. Right? He had to rent this house for two years. You're like, you're in jail, and you've got to pay for it. You know, That's a rough deal. Look at what happens next, though. He's there. And then next verse, next line, three days later, he calls together the local Jewish leaders. Paul doesn't wait. Paul doesn't sit around and go, let me figure out this thing. Let me, let me figure out Rome. He just waits three days. And then he goes, let's call somebody in and let's start talking about Jesus. And then what he talks to him about shows up in verse 23 and 24. It says this, they arranged to meet Paul on a certain day. And came in even larger numbers to the place where he was staying. He witnessed to them from morning until evening, explaining about the kingdom of God. And from the law of Moses and from the prophets, he tried to persuade them about Jesus. But I want to focus on this last line. Some were convinced by what he said, but others would not believe. Now, I love this. I love it because Paul doesn't wait. But I love it even more. And church, please don't miss this last point. I love this passage because it reminds me that Paul wasn't called by God to manage the outcomes of his mission. And oh, we need to hear that. I need to hear that. A church that is awakening a city to the reality of the kingdom of God, a church that's working to say, let's, let's, serve and grow and be a church that's actually for Jesus and for Canadian is a church that thirdly, we realize we do our part and when we just allow God to do the rest. I suspect this morning that a lot of you are like me. Boo! <laughs> Don't be like Jake in this, but I suspect a lot of you are like me. I want to manage the outcome of every part of my life. No amens, <laughs> right? I've heard, I've said this before. There's two types of people in the world, control freaks and those who are in denial about being a control freak, right? I want to manage the outcome of everything in my life. And so often, because I can't manage the outcome, what I do is I step back from the mission of what God wants me to do because I know it may be uncomfortable or may be difficult. Or it didn't go well the first time I invited that person to church. Or when I reached out to that neighbor, they didn't respond like I wanted to. So what I do is I end up taking away God's part. And what I also end up doing is robbing the joy that I can find and that God finds in using his church family. Right? And what we've got to learn is if we're going to awaken to the mission of God is we do our part and then we just allow God to do the rest. It doesn't say Paul gave up. What's the last line in, in uh, Acts 28:30? With all boldness and without hindrance. Some people didn't believe him. He just kept going. He just kept doing what he was supposed to do. So what does it look like to live unhindered? It means we are anchored in the promises of God. It means that we know that a gospel-centered church is more special and meaningful than anything else in our life. And we treat it as such. And it means that we live into the mission 
and the talents and the gifts that God has given to us. And we display that kingdom, and then we say, God, you do something with it. You do the rest. And so we're going to do something with that today. I don't want to just leave you and say, okay, well, there's the message. Have fun with it. What I want you to do is grab that green card uh, from the pockets in front of you, or maybe they were on. I left mine down here. I want you to grab this green card. It looks like this. This isn't one we're going to hang up. This is one you're going to keep this morning. But I believe in doing something. I, I don't believe in messages just falling on our ears and then we go, that was great. I believe in us being practical. So I want to encourage everybody to grab this. And you may not be able to fill it out right now. You may need to spend a little time in prayer over it. You may need to think about it. But here's what we're going to do. We're going to think about who are my two in 2022. It's got some alliteration to it, right? We could even make a song about it. Who are my two in 2022? Hey, hey. You know, something like that. And your two are this. It's following those two things that we said. Community is essential. And then I'm going to do my part. I'm going to trust the promises of God. And your two is just simply this. I want you to think about somebody and pray about somebody that you really need to encourage within the church body. A fellow Christian, because we sure need some giving of courage to each other right now, don't we, church? We need to do that. And you can't sit around and wait for that to happen. The most encouragement you'll ever get is when you start the ball rolling yourself, right? When you start to give encouragement. And then it starts to come around. So I want you to think about who will you encourage this year? You may think of somebody, older member that maybe you don't even know. It may be a younger person in the church. It may be your prayer partner if you're in that, if you're in that ministry. And then the other thing is I want you to write down, and it's similar to what we've done around our baptistry here, is who's one person you want to help introduce to Jesus? We've said this before, that may be yourself. Maybe you need to introduce yourself to Jesus. It may be a family member, a friend, a coworker, a neighbor. And then I want to challenge you after you've taken some time to fill this out. And if you can fill it out this morning, do it. Don't just stick it in your Bible and then come July go, oh yeah, you know, fill it out. And I want to challenge you that every day you begin your prayer with praying for these two people. See, I can't change somebody's heart. Whoever's name I write down right here, man, I'm hopeless to get them to come alive to Jesus. Right? I come up with the best talk I could ever come up with, best argument I could ever come up with, but if God hasn't moved their heart yet, if God's not working, nothing's going to change, right? So what I do is I offer this person, and I start to pray, God, awaken my neighbor's on Willard Street. Awaken this coworker, awaken this family member, awaken this friend to your goodness. I want you guys to, for lack of a better term, test God in this. See if he won't do more than you could imagine. By simply saying, here's two people. One I want to encourage and one person I want to see Jesus. Can y'all do that? David's going to do it. <laughs> Sorry, David. I hope you can do it. Right? 
I'll take your silence as like, I'm really thinking about these people right now. So, guys, God, as we said in the video earlier, Jesus has only just begun. He is not finished. There is more for this church family. Do you believe that today? All right. He wants to partner with everybody in here. Not just leadership, not just preachers, not just our new youth minister that we're praying about, Barry. All right. He, <laughs> he wants to pray. He wants to lead whoever will offer him their life and say, God, do you, I'm going to do my part. You jump here and you do the hard work. You change hearts. And he will do amazing things. If y'all need anything today, whatever you need, baptistry's full, we're ready. If you're ready to come to know Jesus through baptism, to come to start new life with him, if you need prayers in any ways, we're here for you. We hope you'll stick around and fellowship with us after. But we uh, have been blessed by your presence today. Let's stand together and sing.